Welcome to the Faith Lighthouse Church message of the week. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. For more information about this message and other resources, visit mylighthouse.church. Today we are continuing our series called Strong. And we're looking through the book of Joshua. We're, we're looking at the life of Joshua and the, the Israelites as they have entered into the promised land. And uh, if you've missed any of the messages, you can always go online or our website, mylighthouse.church, and go to the media tab and listen to the, any previous messages. And uh, just to, to kind of recap a little bit last week, we, we looked at how sometimes God will do things that, that don't make a lot of sense. Uh, that God will call us to do things that, that we don't necessarily fully understand. But it's important that we're obedient to him. That, that God had called the Israelites to, to take a time of rest after they had just come, off, come off an amazing victory. That, that the, the word of, uh, of God is spreading throughout the country. And, and militarily speaking, this would have been the, the prime opportunity for the Israelites to strike. But God said, no, I want you to, to pause. I want you to rest and, and, and perform a religious ceremony. That didn't make any sense, but they obeyed, and God honored that. And, and because of them honoring God, because of them obeying, even though it didn't make sense, uh, God, they were able to, to see the hand of God and the blessing in their lives. In fact, God even changed their, their past. He said, because you have obeyed me, because you have followed through with this, that I'm going to remove the shame of your bondage in Egypt, that, that now you're going to be known as children of God, that that, that is who you're going to be known as because of their obedience. And so today we're continuing this journey uh, through the, 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 the story in the book of Joshua. And we're going to spend some time in Joshua chapter 7 if you want to turn to your Bibles there. But uh, I don't want to skip over chapter 6. And, and briefly, chapter 6 we talked about a, a few months ago as we concluded our, our 21 days of prayer and fasting that the, the, the amazing... Uh, Trans- the amazing events that took place in Jericho, that, that, the, that the people didn't have to do anything, that it was God that provided the victory over Jericho. All they had, to, again, all they had to do was be obedient, that they were obedient and walked around the city. And, and it was by faith that the walls came down, that it wasn't that they began to see cracks in the wall and then they began to shout and the walls came down. No, they were obedient to God and walked around the city and walked around the city and then they shouted and then the walls came down. Talk about a faith-building moment in that time. And it's important that we understand that there are times in our lives that we're going to have to build faith. And we may not see it. We may not see God working, just like we were singing a few moments ago. We may not see it. We may not feel it. But we have to have faith because our miracle might be on the way. And so we're continuing on the the story and and looking at what has taken place and and walking through uh, Joshua and the Israelites that they have seen victory after victory. They're walking in victory. I know many times as believers that, that, that that's what we want. We want to walk in victory every single day of our lives. Nobody says, yeah, I want to walk around in defeat. No, I want to walk in victory. And they literally are walking in victory after victory. That God has been with them as they've entered into the promised land. That God has been beside them. That, that he has allowed them to achieve the victory in every battle. To the extent of in Jericho, they didn't have to do anything but just simply march around the city. Now they come to the city of Ai. So they, spent, they sent some spies ahead and, and to see what they were up against. And, and basically, I'll paraphrase, that they came back and said, Joshua, we've got this. It's a small town. It's a small, there's, there's only a few people that live there. We don't even have to send our entire army. Send a couple thousand men and we'll just roll over this, this city, this town. Not even a problem. So let's jump into Joshua chapter 7, starting at verse 4. 
So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the, at this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Chapter 7 is a story of defeat. We've seen victory after victory after victory, and now they're walking in defeat. Joshua is facing something he's not accustomed to. We've we've been victorious all along the way, and and now we're defeated. A town that they should have, honestly, that they should have just steamrolled over, now has caused them to fear. Not just to, to, but it says their hearts melted. What is going on? This is not what we expected. Joshua was confused. How did this happen? We, we were prepared for victory. We had certain victory that our spies went ahead and said, you guys got this. And now 36 men have died and now they're wondering what is going on. He's feeling the sting of defeat. So look what he says, continuing on to verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and all the other people of the country will hear about this. And they will surround us and wipe out out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? You want to talk about mountaintop to valley in a matter of moments. That Joshua has brought the Israelites into triumph. And now he's going, God, why did you even bring us here? Why didn't, you, why didn't we have just stayed on the other side? Now we're going to be wiped off the face of the earth. And, and for what? Don't you, you hear it in his voice that, that he doesn't get what just happened? How did, this, how did we go from such great victory to defeat? You know, one of the reasons why I love sports so much is because just the, the so many dynamics that can go along with a team, especially team sports. I love football. I love every aspect of it. And one of the, the, the amazing things to, that, that I like to do is I'll watch after a team loses. Like, what? That's weird. Why? You want to see the team lose? No, I don't want to see them lose, although I'm a Bucks fan, so that happens often. Um, I can make fun of them. They're my team. You can't. All right? So, but, so I've seen my team lose a lot. I know what it's like to lose. But I watch the players, and I watch the coaches, and not just of my teams, but other sports that I watch. And how do they respond to defeat? What are they saying? How are they interacting with each other? Especially when it's a team that should have won. When you've got uh, you know, teams lined up on paper and, and you match them together and one team should rout the other team. I, I mean, it just it shouldn't even be close. They have the, the better skill players. They have the better coaches. They've got the better from top to bottom. They are just a better team. And so they should beat the lesser team. And so when that team that should win loses, then I'm interested to see how they respond. It's easy to, to win. It's hard to lose. It's when, when you go through, because listening to what players say, that you can overcome some adversity 
You, you kind of overlook adversity when you're winning, but when you lose, that's when you start to see the cracks. And so what are the players saying? Are, 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 they, are they introspective and say, you know what, I could do a better job, or are they pointing fingers? Are, are they pointing, man, the, well, you know, I did my job, but that guy didn't do his job? Or what are the coaches saying? Are the coaches saying, you know what, I, I, I put my players in a position to win, but they just didn't do it? Or are they saying, you know what, we didn't do our best. We've got to go back to the drawing board. We've got to, to coach them better. What are, how are they handling defeat? How people handle defeat is very important. How we handle defeat in our lives is very important too. And, and so here we have Joshua who has been humbled by this defeat. And he goes directly to God and wants to know why this happened. What, it would have been better if we just stayed on the other side. God, what is going on? Now, don't you feel like that might be just a bit extreme on Joshua's part? That God has been with them after victory, after victory, after victory. And now, after one defeat, God, we should have just stayed on the other side. You shouldn't even brought us over here. Mountaintop, valley. And how we respond in the, in, in the loss and in the defeat is important. But you know what? I have to give it to him. He was honest with his, his opinions. He was honest with God. He let God know this is how I'm feeling. And God lets him know why they lost. Continuing verse 11. Jump to verse 11. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant which I have commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things that they have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They, they turn their backs and run because they have made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever is among you is devoted to destruction. It was their disobedience, the failure of one individual that led to such a devastating defeat. Now reading through this story, you go, what in the world? Why was this so bad? Why was this so wrong? That, that, that in, the, in the context of everything that's going on, but God gave them specific instructions. When you go through Jericho, that the defeat of Jericho, you are not to take anything. You are not to take any spoils of victory, no devoted things, but Achan decided that he was going to take something. That he was going to take some things that he needed. That he was going to take a, a few small things along the way that I'm sure he thought, you know what, it's no big deal. It's not an issue. It's not a concern. It's just a couple things. Nobody's even going to notice if, if I take these, these items. I know what God has said, but I'm, I'm just going to do what I think is right for me. I'm, it's not going to be a big deal. He was blatantly disobedient to God's commands. And because of his disobedience, it caused trouble for the entire tribe of Israel, the nation of Israel, and caused 36 men to lose their lives. Think about that for just a moment. One man's actions have caused, resulted in the death of 36 other Israelites and the defeat of the nation of Israel because of his actions. You see, when we sin, it does not just affect ourselves, but it affects those around us. We believe, however, that when we sin, it's just between myself and no one else. That my sin is my sin and it doesn't affect anybody else, but that's simply just not the case. That when we sin, we are causing problems not only for ourselves, but potentially for others. Your decisions have the ability to alter not only your life, but those that you love. Those that you care about, and you may not even realize it. When you decide to do something, you need to weigh the consequences of your actions. How is this going to affect not only my life, but potentially the lives of others? You might be here today and you're living some of those consequences out. You're living the consequences of someone else's mistakes. 
That maybe you're bittering, uh, maybe you're harboring some bitterness because of that. That because of what they've done and they didn't realize that you're having to deal with it. Like, you know what? My life would be in such a different place if it wasn't for what they had done. The consequences of their actions. I didn't even do anything wrong, but you're living out those consequences. So you probably understand the idea and the concept of what's going on here. But all of it comes back to selfish motives. What Achan did was selfish. He did it because he wanted it. He wasn't thinking about his family. He wasn't thinking about his friends. He wasn't thinking about his neighbors. He, wasn't, he was only thinking of himself. He knew what God commanded. He knew God said, don't take anything, but he still did it. That's selfish. And that's usually the case with all of our sinful actions. Anything that we do sinful, it comes from our selfish desire. It's because we want it. It's because we desire it. It's because we want to. And we're not weighing the consequences of how it's going to affect others. We just do it because we want to do it. Our sinful nature takes over. And Achan may have thought, I'll give him a little benefit of the doubt. Maybe I'll give him a little bit of wiggle room. Well, if I, if I take these possessions, then maybe I can sell them later and make money for my family. Still, it's wrong. Still, he's not weighing the consequences of how it's going to affect everybody else. But it still comes back to a selfish motivation. That even though he was thinking, you know what, maybe I can sell these possessions later and make some money for myself and my family. If even we give him that little bit of wiggle room, then he's saying, God, I don't trust you. I don't trust you that you're going to provide for me and my family. I don't trust you that you're going to take care of us. Because if that's his mindset, then he's saying, God, I've got to figure this out on my own. I'm going to take these possessions just in case you don't take care of us. Then I can sell it and then I can have money for my family. So whatever the case is, he's doing this out of selfish motives and he's not trusting God ultimately to care for him and his family. His belief was in the possessions and not in God. His, his, his desires were selfish. When we take a step back and we have the ability to do so in God's word, that we can look at the story and take a step back, that, that God was going to take care of Achan and his family. God was going to take care of all, not just Achan and his family, but all the Israelites. And perhaps, I submit to you that perhaps God was, the reason why God said don't take anything is so that they would trust him. Don't lean on possessions. Don't lean on things, but trust in me. I will provide everything that you have need of. Going back to the desert experience, God provided what they had need of. Now, did he give them everything they wanted? No, certainly he didn't. But he provided everything they had need of. And perhaps this was a, was a lesson for all of them. Don't lean on possessions or things. Trust in me. Often when we gain more possessions when we gain more wealth that's usually the less that we trust in God the more that we have the more money that we have in our checking account the less we have to trust in God the more material things that we have the 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 more comfortable we are in this life the less that we have to trust in God when when we're scraping the bottom of the barrel and, and we don't know how we're going to pay the electric bill at the end of the month. I guarantee you, you're on your hands and on your knees praying to God, please provide for our family. God, please make a way. You are the way maker. Please come through for my family. But when you've got a little bit extra money in your checking account at the end of the month, you're probably not on your hands and, 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 feet, and face before God saying provide. 
We've got it taken care of. We've got money in the bank. We don't have to worry about anything. And so we're not searching and we're not seeking after God as, as we should. The possessions, the things that we have in our lives allows us to get more comfortable, allows us to be more confident in ourselves and our abilities and stop leaning on God. So perhaps that's one of the reasons why God said, don't take any of those things because I want you to trust in me. I want you to lean into me. Don't lean on yourself and, and the things that are around you, but trust in me for everything that you have need of. But we see in this story, too, that, that confidence is beginning to rise in the Israelites. That At the beginning of the story, as they sent the spies out, they, they reported back to Joshua, don't even send the entire army. We have got this under control. Send a couple thousand men. That's it. We don't even... Did they consult God on that? Did they say, God, is that what you want us to do? Or, you know what? We, we've, we've decimated city after city. We have or God has. Sometimes we become overconfident in ourselves and our own abilities. And that comes with, with possessions and things that we have. And we don't trust in God. They were overconfident. Now, confidence is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that we must walk it as these meek, humble, individual, you know. No, it's okay to be confident, but not overconfident and think that we're the ones doing anything, but it's God working through us, that God was the one providing victory. This disobedience, this overconfidence led them to be in a position they hadn't been in before. And then wondering, Joshua's wondering, now what do we do? We've defa we face this defeat. Now where do we go from here? And many times in our life, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking you know, for just myself, but, but I find many times that when we face a time in our life where, where we're going through something and, and, and we face defeat, that we wonder, where do I go from here? That we feel hopeless. How do I, how do I get out of this? I've made a mess of my life. How do I get out of it? You know, it's been said that it, it's, it's bad to fall, but it's worse to wallow in it. Nobody wants to fall. Nobody wants to fail. Nobody wakes up and say, I am going to sin as much as I possibly can today. At least I've never come across anybody that way. There might be people, but I've never heard anybody say that. We, we fail. We sin. But we should not stay there and wallow in self-pity and wallow in hopelessness. We don't have to wallow in our failure. There is something that we can do about it. That when we fail, when we sin, we have the opportunity to fall at the feet of Jesus, confess our sins, and ask for forgiveness. One thing that I see Joshua doing, he went back to the ark, God's presence, and he fell down before it. Now he's wondering, God, where do we go from here? I don't understand. But he spent time in God's presence. And that's ultimately what you and I need to do, that we need to spend time in the presence of God. We need to spend time at the feet of Jesus. And confession is an important part for us not wallowing in our failures. That we need to pick ourselves up and come back into alignment with God. But moving ahead in the story, we see that, that God commanded the tribes, after Joshua spent time, and God, where do we go? What do we do from here? That God commanded the tribes to present themselves to Joshua. Then verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. 
When I saw the plunder of a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. They are hidden in the ground underneath inside my tent with the silver underneath. Achan ultimately confessed what he had done. He confessed, this is what happened. I saw the treasure, I coveted it, I wanted it, and I took it. I saw it, looked good, so I took it. Isn't that the cycle of sin? We see something, it entices us, we take it, we, we act on it, we do it. It's a cycle over and over and over again. In the Garden of Eden, they saw the apple, they coveted it, they took it. David and Bathsheba, he saw her, he coveted her, he took her. The cycle of sin, it's none of us are immune from it. That that's how sin entices us, that we see something, well, I think I'm going to do it. We don't think about the consequences of it. We take it and we act on it. No matter what sin you can possibly think of, that's usually the cycle that it happens. And there's nothing new about the cycle of sin. The devil doesn't have any new tricks. He just repeats them over and over and over again. Why? Because they work. Why try something new if we keep falling into it? Ultimately, Achan confessed, yes, I did. I took the spoils of victory. But there was no spoils to be had. God clearly said, do not take anything. So essentially what Achan did was he took what belonged to God. God said, all of this belongs to me. Don't take any of it. And so Achan is, well, I'm going to take I'm just going to take it for myself. That didn't belong to him. We teach our kids when they grow up, don't take anything that doesn't belong to you, right? You tell your kids when they're young, don't take anything. Don't, you know, well, it's just a little pencil. No, no, you don't take, that's not yours. You don't take it. God said, do not take anything. Essentially, this was his. Everything is his. And Achan took what was not his and ultimately belonged to God. Now, I know most of us would say, I would never take anything from God. Careful about that. There are three T's that, that we, we, we live our lives by, our time, our talent, and our treasure, and those things are things that God gives us. God is the one who gives us time. How much time have we stolen from God? Our talents. God is the one who has given us our talents to do things that, that we are not the one that created ourselves, that God created us. How many of us have squandered those things? Those belong to God. Our treasures that God has given us. Every, every dollar that's in your banking account is not yours. It's God. And if you're holding on to what's God, well, then you're stealing from him. I know I'm not getting a whole lot of amens this morning, and that's perfectly fine. But we need to evaluate ourselves. We need to evaluate our lives. Are we taking anything that belongs to God? Is there something in our hearts and our lives that we may think has benefited us that nobody else knows about, but yet is hurting us in the long run, is hurting our families, hurting relationships? Achan took something that was not his and ultimately, it led to their defeat. If he would have just waited, he could have benefited from God's blessings. Moving ahead, and of course, the history that we have, the, the, the time on our side, that we can look back and see that, that after this incident, that God allowed the Israelites to take things and to enjoy the spoils of their victory. And Achan missed out on that. If he would have just waited this opportunity, he could have walked and benefited from those blessings. But a momentary decision caused destruction for his life and for his family. I'm just going to do, but, but 
If he would have just not done that, that he would have walked in God's blessings the rest of his life. Sometimes we allow our short-sightedness to keep us from seeing what God has for us. That we don't see the bigger picture. We don't see what God is doing. And and I'm just going to act in the moment. I'm just going to do what I think what I have to do right now. And it's the wrong decision. That our short-sightedness keeps us from the blessings that God has for our future. Ultimately, God calls each and every one of us to confess our sins. Just as Achan did. God wants us to see the way he sees it. Anyway, why? Why does God want it to? Why would God ask Achan to do that? Why would God want us to confess our sins? All right, parents of young kids or grandparents, when your child or grandchild does something that's disobedient, you've told them, do not do that thing, and then you have that conversation. Why are you in trouble? You have them tell you what they did, right? Tell me what you did. Why? We want them to see what they've done. We want them to tell us, to confess to us what they have done. Now, if your kids are anything like mine, what did you do? My sister. What, what, what was that? Have, I hit my sister. What? Huh? A little bit louder. You what, your sister? I hit my sister. What? One more time. I hit my sister. Okay, there we go. I don't do it to belittle them. I want them to understand that this is something I told you not to do. And thankfully, our kids are older now, and they don't hit each other that often anymore. (laughs) I wish I could say it's 100, but it's not. But when they were younger, that definitely was a problem. And so we had to teach them, keep your hands and your feet to yourselves. Oh, my gosh, I just had a flashback to children's ministry. (laughs) Wow. Rules of the day, keep your hands and your feet to yourself. Um, But that was something that we had to teach our kids. Keep your hands to yourself. You don't do that. And so when they did that to their brother or sister, we had them say, what did you do? I hit my sister. Okay, you know you weren't supposed to do that, right? That's right. To get them to see confession is a good thing. Confession is what God wants us to do to confess our sins, to see things. I don't want to do those things. It's not right for me to do those things. As a parent, you know that is the right way to talk to your kids. And God wants us to do the same thing. As our Heavenly Father, He wants us to confess our sins. It's not that God, what did you do? He knows what we've done. Just as a parent, you know what your child has done. But you want them to confess it. You want them to speak it out, to see it how we see it. And God wants us to see it the way that He sees it. When we verbalize our sin... We see it sometimes from a different perspective. And with confession comes correction, comes discipline. Verse 25. Joshua said this, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. That day, Achan and his family were stoned to death. God said at the very beginning, Sin brings death. Sin brought defeat for Israel. Achan's sin brought great tragic consequences, not only for Israel, but for him and his family. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. God, that was way too harsh. Why did you have to do that? Why did Achan and his family have to die? 
Why does the punishment fit the crime? What is going on? When we read through passages like this in the Bible, sometimes it, it, it causes us to, to, to clench a little bit and go, God, you're, you're loving, you're caring, you're merciful. Why did this have to happen? Why did he have to die for this? Why was the punishment so severe? What, one, why do we think that way? One of the reasons why I believe we think that way ultimately is because we view it through the lens of ourselves. Track with me. Reading the passage of Achan and, and doing something clearly that everyone knew was something he was not supposed to do. And he did it anyway, putting his family in jeopardy, putting all of Israel in jeopardy. God said there's going to be punishment, there's going to be consequences for this. And when we read that story through the lens of ourselves, we know that our sin ultimately equals death. We know that our sin deserves the punishment of death. So when we see God punish Achan that way, we know that's us. We deserve that death. Our sin deserves death. So when we read that, we, oh, that's not God. No, be a little bit lax on him because I want you to be lax on me. I want you to, to show grace on me. I want you to, I don't want to, to, to go undergo that type of punishment. Ultimately, we all deserve the punishment of death because of our sins. That's why this is a hard passage to read because we all know that we are aching in one way or another. That we have sinned and sin equals death. But before you think God is too harsh or you think, yeah, the God of the Old Testament is just fire and brimstone, it's the same God that sent his son to die on the cross for you and I. The same God that we may view as harsh is the same God who says, no, I love you and I'm going to provide a way for you to not have eternal separation from me. Jesus came as the solution to the sin problem. And the death that we all deserve. Sin is a problem. Sin is a pervasive problem in all of our lives. Sin is a problem that, that no one likes to talk about. Death is a part of the punishment of sin. But Jesus protects us from that punishment. And ultimately that's why we should be thankful every day that we have a Savior that we can go to and ask for forgiveness. In the period of time between Joshua going to the tribes and, and Achan finally confessing, there was time for Achan to fess up to what he had done. And he chose not to. It wasn't until Joshua came to him and said, What have you done? Did he finally confess? Now, I don't know if Achan would have taken the opportunity to go before all of that and said, Joshua, I did something wrong. I need to confess I did this, that, that maybe he could have avoided the consequence of death. I don't know that. But perhaps God would have spared his life had he done so. But he waited until finally somebody pointed it out. And yes, I confess. Yes, I understand that that is a harsh consequence of the action. But ultimately, we all deserve that same punishment. But we have an opportunity to confess our sins. And it's my desire today that each one of us would examine our hearts and, and allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and examine our lives that, that ultimately because of, of what Achan did, it not only just affected him, it affected everybody in his family. 
because they were all living together in a tent, it is likely that they all knew what was going on. And because they all knew what was going, they were hiding, they were covering it up. That's why they all faced the same punishment. But even if not, we have to understand that our actions will impact other people. Your actions are not just going to affect you. We need to weigh the consequences of our actions, examine our hearts, examine our lives. That if there is anything in your life that you have hidden away, any sin in your life that that nobody knows about, that that it's just between me and God, then this is an opportunity for us to examine our hearts and our lives. That you get anything that you have in your heart settled with God before you leave today. Sin causes problems. That's all there is to it. Sin causes the ultimate problem. But thankfully that God provides a way for us to overcome sin. To overcome the ultimate punishment of sin, which is death. Fact of the matter is, all of us are guilty as Achan was from time to time. We've all done things that are sinful. But times we allow sin to slip into our lives and, and we try to hide it. And we try to cover it up. And, and it's, not, it's not a big deal. It's just it's, nobody will know. But the more that we hide, the more pain and the more trouble that we're going to bring into our lives. And it may affect more than just ourselves. But God has given us a solution. God has given us a way not to end up like Achan. To simply confess your sins to God. Simply confess. And and I'm not coming, I'm not asking anyone to do anything strange or weird or crazy. I'm not asking anyone to come up here and, and stand up before the church and confess your sins. I'm not saying that at all. But what I would strongly encourage you to do is to talk to God today. To allow the Holy Spirit to examine your heart this morning. And so in closing today, I want us to do this. And I ask this question almost every week. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, to your life today? Is there anything going on in your life that you feel like it's not a big deal, but something that there's a sin in your life that you need to search your heart and say, God, I need to get this right. That don't allow it to be a hindrance in your life. Don't allow it to keep you separated from God. Don't allow your sin to affect other people in your life. Get your heart right with God today. All across the room, every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I hope that that through this message today that you understand that, that sin is a problem. That sin is a problem we all face. But it's not something that only affects you, that it affects others. That we understand that the consequence of our sin equals death, but God has provided a Savior. God has provided an opportunity for us to to repent of our sins, to confess our sins to Him and ask for forgiveness so that we do not have to be separated from God for eternity because of our sins, but that we can come into right relationship with Him God desires that we confess our sins to Him. And and maybe you've been coming to church for, I don't know how long, maybe years, maybe months, maybe weeks, I don't know, but today is an opportunity for you to confess your sins to God. Say, forgive me, Lord, of, and you fill in the blank. I don't know what they are. But I know as a human being that we all are enticed by sin. That you saw something You looked at it, you wanted it, and you acted on it. 
And maybe it's something that you've done for a while, but you've kept it hidden. Don't keep it hidden any longer. Confess it to God today. You may think, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not, it's not. You don't know what the consequences will be. Ask for forgiveness today. Come into right relationship with God. Allow his grace and his mercy. God is a holy God, and he cannot allow sin in his presence. That's why we have a Savior. A Savior who died for all of our sins, that we can confess and be forgiven. That we have the promise of eternal life because of this Savior. Simply acknowledge the fact today that you are a sinner. And ask for forgiveness. God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of the things that I've done wrong. I want to be in right relationship with you. I don't want to keep anything hidden anymore. Search my heart, Holy Spirit. Show me, is there anything? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak. Jesus. All across the room, if you would like to stand with me this morning, I want us to, to, to do this today. We ultimately know that we have a sin problem, but we know that we have a Savior. And so this morning, we're going to receive communion together. So I'm going to ask the ushers if you would come forward, and, and we're going to distribute the communion elements. One of the things that we do when we, we receive communion is we're called to search our hearts, that we receive communion and understand the, the sacrifice that, that Jesus paid for our sins, and that we receive communion with, with, with a clean heart. And so this morning, I felt it a fitting way for us to to receive communion together, to make this as a proclamation to ourselves that, God, I'm standing before you, and I'm thanking my Savior for, for, for forgiving me of my sins, that I have this new life in Christ you may serve. That as the ushers go by, that you receive the communion elements, and, and that you receive the communion as you feel fit. That when you feel necessary, when you feel that though you have prayed and you are right with God and you thank Jesus for what he has done, you thank him for his broken body, that you thank him for the blood that was shed to cover all of your sins, then you receive that communion on your own. I'm going to pray a general prayer, but then I want you to respond as you feel necessary. That you may want to take a few moments and and just hold the elements in your hand and pray over them. and, And again, ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. But let's not let this just go by us and just go through the motions of communion. But what it means to thank God that we do not have to to face death and ultimate separation from God because of our Savior. We know and we understand that we deserve that punishment. But we have a Savior who has come, who has died, who rose again and who is at the right hand of the Father, that all it takes is us confessing our sins, bowing our hearts before Him, and turning from our sin and living for Him. That's what it all comes down to. Father, this morning, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can come and gather in your presence. 
as we prepare to receive communion today, Holy Spirit, I pray that you minister to every heart. I pray that our hearts are right with you. Jesus, I thank you for your body that was broken. I thank you that you stood in our place. And I thank you for the cup that represents your blood, that covers all of our sins, that we can confess with our mouths that we are sinful, but ask for, for your forgiveness to cover all of our sins. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're going to do in the next few moments. Thank you for the freedom that we have in Jesus. Thankful that we have a Savior that we can go to and, and confess our sins, to get back in right relationship with God. That we have a Savior who removes all of our sin. That we live in response to that every single day and that we not take that for granted. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can come to your house and worship you. I thank you that we have a Savior. Thank you, God, that you provided a way for us to be in right relationship with you. We know the ultimate punishment we all deserve, but you love us so much that you gave your son for us. May we live in response to that every day. May we understand the love that you have for each and every one of us. And may we show that same love to those that are around us. I pray, God, that as we go and throughout our days and throughout our weeks, we keep our praise on your lips, that we speak of your goodness, of your love and your grace. Holy Spirit, search our hearts every moment of every day. Show us anything that may not please you and should not be in our life so that we may live according to your will and according to your word. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for your saving grace. Go with us today. In Jesus' name, everyone says amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. If you've enjoyed this teaching, would you consider a gift to support the ministry of FLC? Visit mylighthouse.church forward slash give. Faith Lighthouse Church is located at 3409 Paul Buckman Highway in Plant City, Florida. Our weekly worship services are held on Sundays at 11 a.m. We also have various life groups and programs for all ages that meet throughout the week. We'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing in Plant City.